1: hi and welcome to another episode of the unveiling grace podcast i'm joel grote
2: and i'm lynn wilder glad to be back joel and we're live today (laughs) yeah we are
1: as i've been looking at my life and stuff i've been struggling with i really just wanted us to talk with people about uh, covid disruption not so much about the virus itself but just how has it been impacting our lives Uh, what how we've had to adapt and pivot and more importantly how have we found grace uh what have we struggled with and how has jesus showed up with grace in the midst of an incredibly disruptive unusual time for the whole world so what 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 have you been finding in terms of your ministry what's changed what doors have been open because of this
2: well i think you're usually on the speaking circuit, right? We, we're yeah. usually on the road um, from June through October. And sometimes we don't get home till almost Christmas, Mike and I. so And we're typically in a different city and at different churches, right? Speaking and meeting people. So meeting people right. who have left Mormonism or who are questioning our faith or Christians who have family that have gone into Mormonism. Um, and then spreading the book, Unveiling Grace. Yes. Right. So right. All, all of that, of course, is shut down. I was supposed to be the keynote speaker for Bible League International. In yeah, I know the Bible they, League. Okay. They've canceled their conference, right? Like a lot of people
1: have done. Yes. Um, yeah, I was supposed to be in Cuba in June. And then back there again in September and then on to Kenya in October. And that is all gone. It's off. In fact, they don't expect to be able to have any sort of live conferencing anything until 2021 at the earliest. This new normal, I'll be honest, has not been necessarily to my liking because I enjoy being out meeting people and teaching and training.
2: But here's one interesting thing. Our LDS friends have not been going to church and they haven't had, um, you know, they haven't had primary to go to and all the other organizational meetings during the week. So what are they doing? Are you having
1: conversations with any of them? What's happening?
2: Well, a lot of them... I've talked to people who are finally chasing down the questions they had all those years, right. That they've ignored or they didn't have time to deal with. And so, I have actually been doing Bible study one-on-one with people and oh, answering their so questions cool. in the <laughs> Word and doing it regularly. One one woman I'm currently doing Bible study with for about an hour and a half every Tuesday and Thursday. And okay. She's kind of at the beginning of her stages, but she's figured out she thinks she wants to leave LDS, but... Um, She's struggling with taking her garments off.
1: You know. Sure. Oh, man, that stuff is so But I'm so
2: available, hard. Right? right? Usually I'm busy, but Oh, I'm yeah, because when,
1: when we're on the road, we're basically available only to the people where we happen to be.
2: Yeah, so um, one woman read the book Unveiling Grace and told me she gave her life to Jesus. I believe she said February 21st. And then okay. COVID hit. This is a woman in her 50s with 10 children. Oh 10 my. Children, divorced. But oh, what a heart for God, right? And oh, yeah. what a hunger for truth. And so we did Bible study for a while. And then I kind of graduated her because she had okay. found some good, strong Christians in the area. And she was in a couple of Bible studies. So now I have another woman who's right at the beginning stages. And she's probably... My age, I would say, and um, she raised a lot of kids who are active in the church as well. I think okay. she was seven or eight, and, and so- that, I,
1: that's really hard for people when they start having doubts to know, Oh my, I started all these children down this road, yes. and now I'm and not now so sure it's a good road, yeah. yeah, and yeah, and they're upset. Well, yeah. this thing about people having time to think it just it reminded me. Um, We have our mentoring program where people can find us and we continue to have people asking mentors. But here's the interesting thing. In the last week, we've had two people that have come back. One of them said, I'm really ready to start pursuing Mm -hmm. this. And so we just reconnected a guy today uh, with his mentor. And And
2: especially the LDS life is so harried often, right? That's what's expected, all this workspace stuff that you're doing all day. That boy, when that stops, it's a real opportunity,
1: right? Yeah, and Holy to connect Spirit on to the
2: internet with other people in those early stages, because you wouldn't want to physically tell your neighbor or any right. Of your kids, right? So you're going to do these things kind of by distance and and start reading. Yeah. But since you are such a Bible scholar, Joel, and you've, you've been doing this so many years working with Mormons, um, one of the things that one of my women is struggling with is belief, and this is not rare. I've heard this a number of times. Okay. You know how it's so special to a Mormon to go into the Mormon temple and to do your work for the dead yep. and to believe then that those people cross over from spirit prison, um, when you do their work and they accept the Mormon gospel after they're dead on the next side, right? well, we were often told that those spirits who were dead would appear to us in the temple, or we were praying they would appear to us in the temple and thank us for freeing them from spirit prison. Well, I've talked to a number of people who have actually had those kind of experiences where yes, and I have a husband as well. died or a mm-hmm. child died and then they appeared in a dream to them or they appeared at the end of their bed. And that's the case with this one woman, you know, she's saying, but, but I was sealed to my husband and he died and he came back. Right. And, and I know it was him. I felt his spirit, you know, and I try to say the Bible says right that once you die, you don't come, you don't come back from the dead to the living, um, right. and that's something really hard for them to accept. But let's talk biblically.
1: Sure, uh, um, yeah. and that's yeah, and there's a lot of cultures that have that coming yeah. back aspect. The mm-hmm. you know the spirits of the dead coming back and visiting, and so so when you look at you know, what the Bible has to say about it, there's probably not a lot, but I think one of the clearest things, um, is Jesus where, um, Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus Mm -hmm. and how, you know, they both die and Lazarus is immediately in Abraham's bosom. So he's in this paradisiacal good place. Um, and the Bible makes it clear that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you're a believer, that's what the apostle Paul taught. And he, you know, he said, you know, I would rather be there. I, you know, if it's between staying here and being with the Lord, I would far rather be there. But if God wants me to stay, I'll stay because it's for your benefit. Um, but you know, he makes it clear there's not any of this, you know, going back and forth, but then in this parable, um, they both go. And so the rich man ends up in a place of torment. Uh, he's he's in a place where he's suffering and he says well at first he asked you know couldn't lazarus come and at least dip his finger in water and touch it to my tongue and abraham says no there is a great chasm fixed there is no going back and forth there is no crossing over between the two which really kind of puts a wrinkle in the whole mormon system where you've got people after they've died crossing over and going into spirit prison and ministering to people There's no biblical precedent for that. In fact, any teaching we have would indicate exactly the opposite that that's not possible.
2: The Bible's uh, clear that this life is the time to make that decision, right? Even the Book of Mormon says that. Right, yes. The Book of Mormon is very clear. Once you've chosen for Christ or not for Christ and you die, then then there are eternal consequences, right? Right. And Hebrews says. You, you don't. Right.
1: And Hebrews, I think is a, I want to say nine, seven. I'm not positive. In the show notes, we'll put whatever the crack reference is. But it says, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment.
2: That, right. So
1: you live, you die, and then you you are judged. There's no, um, in between time, there's no purgatory. There's no second chances to reevaluate or hear more message. The other thing I think that ties into this, because there are people say, well, what about people who never heard? Because really, I feel like, What draws people to the Mormon idea of, you know, the crossing over and the preaching to the spirits in prison and some of those things is the sense of justice we have that, wait, how could people be judged who maybe never had a chance to hear? And the Apostle Paul addresses that in Romans chapter one, because he says the invisible qualities of God are clearly seen from what has been made so that no one is without excuse. So everybody has light and all God expects is for people to respond to the light they've been given. And to the degree they do that, we know that God is going to judge them justly. He's going to be fair. He's going to be just. And so that's why uh, that whole issue of not having heard and needing a second chance, that doesn't hold up theologically, biblically, because no, everybody is responding to the light they're given. And God is going to take that into account. Uh, and Jesus now, is
2: this their judge, not me, right? Right.
1: And then you also have in the Old Testament you have the warnings against necromancy, uh, yes. the, attempting to contact the dead,
2: right? Um,
1: and it's so
2: things like seances would right be
1: seances, Ouija Jesus boards, that, 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 that sort of spirit from. contact, right? And what the Bible also teaches is that spirits, demonic spirits, those that are servants of Satan, have the ability to appear as angels of light, yes. as ministers of righteousness. So we know that demonic spirits have the ability to show up looking like something good, which could be somebody's relative. Because what does Satan want? Satan wants to keep people from a total dependence on Christ, a total surrender. Um, He wants to keep people from accepting this free gift of grace that transforms them and makes them an adopted child of God. And he'll use anything, to do that. And so anything that helps bolster a system that's a false system, that's not a biblical system, he has power and forces. And we're warned about that over and over. So it's hard because I think there's a part of all of us that would like to think there could be that contact, that someone we love and cared about could come back. But there's nothing in the Bible that, that allows that. Now, there are There are a couple of exceptions, and I want to mention these because anybody who knows the word, they're going to think because you do have people who have left this earth, who have been deceased, who have died, that do show back up. So for example, the transfiguration. So at the transfiguration, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Moses and Elijah, the two prophetic voices who, you know, most predicted and prefigured Jesus as Messiah, Mm -hmm. they do show up, Um, but there's a very clear purpose. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And so God is saying, my representatives now are looking to my son. But that's something that God instigates for a specific purpose. And again, it's very rare. And the other one that you have is you have when Saul goes to the witch of Endor. Right. And he wants... He wants to talk to Samuel, who's died. And we know from the Witch of Endor's reaction, she was expecting to conjure up a familiar spirit, somebody who would maybe imitate Samuel. Because when Samuel actually shows up, when God allows Samuel to speak from the grave in judgment on Saul, she is terrified. Which means she did not get the familiar spirit she was expecting would probably come. Those are the only instances where
2: The one with Samuel, and even when I read that passage, I'm not sure it's actually Samuel that shows up. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that it isn't a demonic spirit. And then the one in the New Testament... Oh, how clear is that, that someone that represents the law and someone that represents the prophets come now to give allegiance to Jesus because it's very clear that he is the fulfillment of the law and the
1: prophets. prophets, Right. right. So, yeah, so it's a very specific purpose.
2: So another point I would make is that not only can demonic spirits um, look like something good, like an angel of light, but they can evoke emotions that seem very positive. So oh, I absolutely. remember in Mormonism having things like chills and thinking it was the Holy Spirit, or one time when the patriarch uh, laid his hands on my head and gave me my patriarchal blessing, I felt electricity course through my body, thinking wow. that that must be the Holy Spirit once. Now that my eyes are opened and I'm no longer blind and I know the word of God a little bit. And And you have the Holy Spirit
1: actually residing in you.
2: (laughs) Right. My discernment, hopefully, is coming from the Holy Spirit now. Um, I would say those were demonic counterfeits that I was reacting to that normal people react to people look for those kind of experiences right we want some yes.
1: those kind of supernatural absolutely yeah it's a it's a it's a dangerous thing to to play around with
2: i think mormons would be interested in hearing some of those from new age to jesus kind of testimonies because they'll find some similarities i think with their experience Probably. with with spirits right
1: yeah, so I should make a note, and we'll see if we can maybe link to some of those accounts yeah, there are some um, in the show notes. Yeah, there are some. There are some powerful testimonies of people who have had that involvement and have been rescued out of that, and they will testify. As beautiful as it seemed, it was an it was Satan posing as an angel of light, or one of his demonic spirits that was posing as a minister of righteousness, and it was not good.
2: Well, so, here's what an experience like that does in Mormonism, especially if it's a family member, right? Mormonism really puts the family above Jesus Christ. The family it's all about the family. It's all right. about families mm-hmm. forever. And so those kind of experiences again connect you not to Jesus but somehow to your biological family as right. if there was some kind of mysticism with that.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a distraction. It's something that keeps people's focus away from jesus away from even their spiritual need and keeps them connected to that system Mm. that makes people dependent on it and that that is the one thing for me that i as i've looked at and i've worked with performance-based religions for well over 30 years now that is like one of the most common elements you see in any of them is a performance-based religious system will always look to make people dependent on it Mm-hmm. it will always try to make people need the system so even if they go to Jesus if they if they develop a closer relationship with God but they lose faith in the system or they lose the system then the system will cut them off I've had this happen way too many LDS people that I know where they've said I me mean, even being LDS I had an encounter with Christ I realized I needed his grace for the forgiveness of my sins I realized I wasn't ever gonna measure up and so I did I gave my life to Christ I trusted him totally even as, an, even as a member still of the Mormon church. And all of a sudden I had this new awareness and this new desire and this new draw to Jesus and I started to see things in the system that weren't right.
2: Or you got in trouble. right? Because one of the women I'm currently having Bible study with tells a story about how soon, I think she's been in the church She was in the church maybe 50 years, but in her early years of the church one time, she got up to bear her testimony, and she only spoke about Jesus. And she said she was pulled aside and disciplined.
1: No Christian denomination, no good Bible-believing church will make themselves indispensable. They will always point to Christ. And if you, for example, move or something happens, and you want to move to a different fellowship, even if you change denominations, they're not going to say, oh, no, 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 you need to stick with us in our church and our system to be right with God. They will say, no, Jesus is enough, connect with him and that's good.
2: I don't think you really got to tell us how COVID had changed you or blessed you.
1: No, we may have to do that different. Well, I'll just say briefly, I've had to struggle with not being able to go out and be speaking. And the thing is, it it's really showed up in interesting, strange ways. I'm um, like, for example, just the other night, it was my birthday, end of July. You always get these things for your birthday. Like you get a free burger from this place, you get a free meal from this place. And I was realizing, oh, it's been, you know, a week or so since my birthday. I should check up on those. And we have just had a crazy schedule. We had family vacation right after that. We had a son that got married right after that. We had a daughter that decided to move to Atlanta. Um, you know, all good, all good stuff. And so I'm finally sitting down and I'm realizing I've lost two birthday meals that have expired. Oh, no. and I was so lit. I was so angry. I was furious that I had lost these and I'm talking with my wife. And I'm saying, this is really upsetting me. I can't believe it. And I said, you know what? I think I just need to go take a walk because I don't think this should be making me this mad, but it is. And I like had to just go take a walk and it was even raining, but I'm like, okay, God, what's going on here? You know, what is it? This is triggering something. Anger is a secondary emotion. Right. So yes, there's a disappointment, but it's only food for goodness sake. But what I realized is it was just another reminder that the my life not normal isn't right, what it's yeah. been. And I realized that it was really kind of a way of grieving the loss of you know trips and I mean, because that's what I love of all the stuff I do for ministry, the teaching and training and equipping, especially the overseas, um, that's what I love the most. But it's like God saying, okay, so you really need all that, or am I enough or am I not enough? It's like, oh wow, okay, Jesus, yes, you are enough. And if it takes losing a couple of birthday meals to be reminded that, you know, this stuff is temporal, but it it was just a reminder that, okay, yeah, it is touching me and And I, and it was just good to walk with Jesus and talk and say, okay, yeah, I do miss this. It is kind of frustrating. And him say, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to to feel that way. But what's really most important, because if you're getting your significance from your speaking and not from your relationship with me, then that's not a good thing. Because even something as good as ministry can become an idol. It could be something. And so I think uh, for me, these disruptions have been very good to force me back. To say, okay, what really does center me? Where is my life really found? It's found in Christ and his love and his grace. And fortunately, he's patient and he's very kind. And even when I'm crazily upset over missing a couple of birthday meals, he's still like, it's okay. My love covers it, my grace covers it. I went back. Fortunately, you know, I didn't like yell at my wife or anything, but she could tell I was really upset. I just came back and said, "I'm so sorry. I did not need to be that angry over <laughs> over a couple of hamburgers." She's like, "You know, seriously, you could go to those places and get them anytime." And I said, like, "Yeah, I know I can." It was it was good, and she and she was great too, just saying, "You know, it's understandable. A lot has been disrupted in a lot of our lives, and the question is, okay, what do we do? Do we let it drive us back to God? Do we let it drive us back to Christ?"
2: So you brought this story to mind we live in a fairly large city and we're 2 miles from downtown so when the riots broke out and people were demonstrating and stuff mike right. and i all of a sudden are having a little fear should we are you know are we yeah. going to be in the path of some of this should we worry and i like to walk Mm-hmm. And I like to walk through the neighborhood, actually downtown and back. And so I said to the Lord one night, would you provide for me a walking partner? Oh, So cool. I go out the door the next morning and my neighbor who is from Trinidad comes out the door at the same time and says, will you walk with me? Oh, really? Now, she's telling oh. me she's afraid to walk through the neighborhood, right? She's black. She, she wants a white <laughs> one. With her. And I'm thinking, wow, what an advantage for her to walk with yes. me through the neighborhood. God is so good though. The yes. best conversations have come from all of this. And since that, uh, another one or two people have joined us. And so oh, really? that's something that would never have been in my life. Life, right? And right. God is often in our conversation.
1: And I think part of it's just a willingness to be honest because I like to feel like I'm the adaptable. You know, on the strength finder test, adaptability, flexibility, all, those are like always been my top. And so it's okay, there's not a lot that rattles me, not a lot that messes me up. And so it's kind of been good to get a look at my own mortality. In fact, like, no, no, actually, you are touchable by some of this stuff, you're not immune and just be willing to acknowledge it. And I guess that's what I would say to any of our listeners, too. And this doesn't really have anything to do with performance-based religion. It's just life. Don't be afraid to take the disturbances and what you're struggling with to God. Take that to him. Be honest and real. And that's the great thing, I think, about grace and the gospel is we can be real. I don't have to hide anything. I can walk out of my house and say, God, I'm like totally furious right now because I've lost these two birthday meals. That seems crazy, but that's where I'm at. And have him say, okay, I hear you, my son. I see you, but let's talk. But that's so rich to meet with God at those moments of vulnerability where we don't have it all together, where we are struggling, where we look back and go, oh, wow.
2: And to be honest and authentic, not just with him, but with other people,
1: right? Yeah, To be able to go back to my wife and say, I can't believe I was that upset over birthday meals and have her say, yeah, but it's probably not just those, right, it's this other and go, yeah, it is. I miss speaking and I'm struggling to know, okay, where do I focus? How do I pivot? How do I continue to do the stuff I feel called to do? And we'll just uh, give people a heads up We've got brand, we've got a series, two brand new series of videos yeah, that
0: just Your have come up on YouTube. Up
2: today. I'm right. so excited. And if we had not been locked down, it's something would have been forever, right? right? Getting those videos up on the Ex-Mormon Christians United for Jesus um, YouTube channel.
1: And it's great. And it's great to just have, be able to have that authentic, transparent relationship with God. And once you have it with God, you can have it with other people. You can talk about being messed up and shook up and disrupted <laughs> <There> and <laughs> we are.
2: well thank you so much for an authentic conversation tonight joel and... thank
1: you and thank you for sharing how god is moving and the doors he's opening and to our listeners thanks for joining us we're always glad to have you along on the podcast and yeah and don't forget all of our episodes are available on the unveilinggracepodcast.com Everything is searchable there. You can search any word and find every podcast that has to do with depression, has to do with abuse, that has to do with grace. It's a new feature that's only been on there for probably about a month or two now, but we'd encourage you to go to the website, unveilinggracepodcast.com, use the search button. We're up to, I think this is going to be episode 99 or 100. So that's exciting.
2: Have a party. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) All right. It's been good, Lynn.
2: God is good. Grace and peace to you, Joel. Thank you.
1: So long.
0: (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.